over the last few weeks of the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg, we've been going through a journey, and we're continuing our journey today through the 12 points that verify Christianity to be true. Remember, truth number one, truth about reality is knowable. Number two, the opposite of true is false. And last week, we talked about it is true uh, on premise number three, that it is true that a theistic God exists. On the Let's Get Real podcast today, we're going to deal with the question of miracles. You know, Christianity is really uh, a miraculous faith. But if God exists, then miracles are possible. And if there is a God who can act, then there can be acts of God. The arguments used against the believability of miracles prove too much. But given that God exists, if we have good evidence that a miracle occurred, there is no reason that we should not believe it. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you're listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Real podcast this week. Last week, we dealt with the whole idea of God's existence. And when we did that, we dealt with the whole thing with regards to three classical arguments. We talked a little bit about the cosmological argument, the design argument, and the moral argument. But what I really focused on last week was this whole idea of the fact that existence versus essence. And we talked about God being both existence, the fact that he does exist, and his essence or his being. This is something totally different because we human beings, we do exist, but our essence is totally different because we've been created. And I think that's probably what I wanted to, to drive home for us last week. So I just want to just get that as a, as a way of getting this, this show this week jump-started. Because once it is shown that a theistic God does exist, and of course we do this by using the law of non-contradiction, we can see that of necessity any non-theistic view of reality or worldview must be false. This means... An incredible amount of work has already been done for us in showing that Christianity is true. So when you take ideologies like atheism, agnosticism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Wicca, or any other non-theistic worldview, these must be determined as false regarding their views of God. Now, what does this leave us with? This leaves us with three monotheistic religions. It leaves us with Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And any other unnamed theistic worldview as possible contenders for one true view of reality. Now, how can you and I adjudicate between these views? If one of the above belief systems were confirmed by miracles, I think we would have the reason to believe its truth claims. So when we talk about miracles, Christianity is a miraculous faith, for sure. And when we look at miracles, 
no doubt that many in our society today would say, surely you cannot be seriously believing in miracles that are possible. Well, why not? As my mentor, Dr. Norman Geisler, would say, had said, uh, if there is a God who can act, then there, are, then there can be acts of God. Therefore, if God exists, then miracles are possible. And the late C.S. Lewis also wrote that if we admit God, we must admit miracles. Well, he asked it in the form of a question, so let me backtrack here. He said, if we admit God, must we admit miracles? And then he says this, Indeed, indeed, you have no security against it. Now, others will protest and I've got a blog post on this whole uh, thought here about extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And the, the person would follow up and say, because of that, I have no reason to believe miracles have actually occurred. So the question we have to ask here is, what is it that is meant by extraordinary here? Because the term itself is rather ambiguous, and one could, in principle, never meet that demand. You know, extraordinary. Well, that's extraordinary for you, but not for me, so to speak. Or somebody uh, made a, a fantastic omelet, let's say. That's extraordinary. And then somebody made an omelet, and they said, well, that's extraordinary. And of course, then you go and you taste the omelets, and they taste different, right? Some might add mushrooms. Some might add portobello mushrooms. Some might add strong onions. Some might add uh, Vidalia onions, right? And the reason why I bring omelets in is because I, I, my wife tells me that I'm a, I'm a great omelet maker. But... With regards to this whole idea of extraordinary, you and I are going to be going back and forth and determining what is more extraordinary than the other one. And if there's similar things that happen, we could be arguing about that all day. But see, that's not what is meant. Because that term is ambiguous, and one could, in principle, never meet the demand, so when we talk about things that are extraordinary, some particular quality of evidence is needed. And then in order to accept this evidence for an extraordinary claim, one would need more extraordinary evidence to support the initial evidence for the extraordinary claim ad infinitum, which turns out to be um, in the Latin reductio ad absurdum, or just reduced to absurdity. So, when we talk about miracles, if, on the other hand, one means by extraordinary a particular quantity of evidence, who decides how much? That is rather arbitrary as well, and moreover, we have a vast amount of evidence showing the existence of God, which, uh, you know, we have the reliability of the Bible, which we'll talk about in another show later on down the road, not too distant future, and, and so on. And, of course, there are others like David Hume, 18th century thinker, which is the 1700s. He, he, he said that the evidence for the regular is always greater than that for the rare. 
and since and since miracles are rare, a wise man should never believe in miracles. Yet at the same time, non-believers accept many rare events as true. For example, you know, we talked about in the very beginning the universe having a beginning, and of course we could be able to trace it back through the Hubble telescope and taking it back to a punctilia point in time. Many scientists call that the Big Bang. And if you don't believe in the Big Bang, I'll just tell you I know who banged it. But, you know, we can't go and repeat the Big Bang. Or we'd have Big Bang, 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 and so on and so forth. Yet we have solid scientific evidence that the greatest miracle of all actually happened, and that is that the universe exploded into being out of nothing at uh, a finite time ago. Many believe that spontaneously arose from that somebody, many people today, I'm getting tongue tied here. Many people believe today that life's generated from spontaneous non life, or it, it generated spontaneously from non life, life from non life. You can't have that. Uh, this is something that has never been observed. It has uh, never been even repeated in arguments against the possibility of believability of miracles. Folks, they just simply, simply prove too much. So when we deal with these miracles, we deal with miracles from the perspective, folks, we have good evidence and we have good reason to believe a miracle is possible. So when we talk about miracles, we're going to cover uh, the fifth point of this argument um, that point number four is that since God exists, the miracles are possible. But what I want to do here is I want to stay on track and I want to deal with the fact of that miracles themselves can confirm a message from God. Now, when we talk about this, when we, when we look at miracles, let's define what a miracle is. A miracle itself is a special act of God that interrupts the natural course of, of human events. Now, when we look at the miracles in the Bible, we see God doing that. We see God doing that. So we go to our fifth point, that miracles are acts of God to confirm a message from God. So if you take it from there, you know, when we look at the, the word miracles, like many words in the English language. We, we have a tendency to use it quite loosely, and I just defined it for us. So I may go back to that. Pardon me, but repetition is a great teacher. But, you know, you talk about everything from, say, like the miracle Mets to the miracle of the Red Sox sweeping the Yankees in 2004, which I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, which was I heard many people talking about that as being miraculous. 
And, of course, the way things were going, some people may have thought so. Some people will say miracles are like, you know, when a baby's born or uh, even, you know, going to the point of talking about Jesus walking on water. And since a theistic God does exist, we know that miracles are possible. But then, you know, we have to take into consideration what counts as a miracle. In their book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, Doctors Norman Geisel and Frank Turek, um, they distinguish between six categories of unusual events. When we talk about things like this, there are anomalies, there's magic, there are psychosomatic events, you have the satanic, you have providential, and you have a bona fide miracle. Now, people will go and say, well, you know, hey, you know, all of those sound rather miraculous. Well, what I want to do in this part is deal with these phenomena, if you will, and then we'll, we'll wrap up our, our episode. Now, when we talk about things like anomalies, anomalies are purely physical events that may be considered what people will say like a freaks of nature. Science, scientists used to consider the ability of a bumblebee to fly as a freak of nature. You know, when you talk about anomaly, the power of it is physical. The trait of the, the, the bumblebee being able to fly is natural. And, you know, we just look at it and say, how can those thin wings go and take a fat bumblebee and make it fly? Well, that's what we call an anomaly. When we look at magic, now when we talk about magic here, there's a difference. You know, people will say magic, you know, you don't, don't get involved in magic, Rob. No, I'm not getting involved in magic. But there is a type of hand is quicker than the eye type of magic. It's called the sleight of hand. And, and it's human controlled. And it's physical as a trait. But like those, you know, I guess the best example would be like those of a stage performer or somebody who's what we call an illusionist. Then you have what are called the psychosomatic, the psychosomatic. The psychosomatic episodes or events are what are known as mind over matter. Let me say that again. Psychosomatic events are known as mind over matter. And this is where we trick ourselves into believing something actually happened. This is what we, we, we see even with regards to the TV preachers who call themselves faith healers, like Benny Hinn. Uh, this occurs frequently with them. And when you deal with these folks, it depends on belief. And there's, are, there are psychosomatic cures. Now, does God heal? Can God heal? Today, yes, I do believe. But there is no bonafide ministry of faith healer as, as something that is, those folks are kind of like just sideshows, I guess you could say. 
and and this gets into the whole idea. You know, we talked about magic and psychosom psychosomatic events. There are also known as satanic counterfeit signs. They are the power is psychic, and the trait is occultic as well as it it communicates a a falsehood. Now, when we we deal with this. It is also said that these types of signs are that which derive from limited pre preternatural power that are that is meant to lead people away from God. Now, you have it in the pagan religions, you have it in the Soko Gokai cults of Japan, you have it in Christian science, you have those things in the New Age. All of these things that are, are leading you away from a biblical worldview would be considered. And Deuteronomy chapter 18 has a, a, a list of what I call the dirty dozen detestable practices of, of the occult. And um, if you want to email me, I can send those to you. Uh, I may have a reference to that in... Uh, description in, in this episode. So, you know, we talk about the anomaly, we talk about magic, psychosomatic, satanic. The next one is rather interesting because this is, this is what we call providential. Now, providential events are often mistaken for miracles, but they are naturally explained but have a supernatural timing for God's purposes. And I'll give you a perfect Western civilization example of this. During the invasion of Normandy, there was a, a very, very thick fog providing cover for the Allies. And, and that fog could actually be considered providential. Finally, when you looked at when you look at the the providential acts that happen in our lives today, things happen for a reason. You can and go and say, well, you know, that was miraculous that I did not lose my job because there was uh, not enough evidence. That was providential. No, that wasn't providential. That was just facts. Or, or it's providential that I passed the test. Uh, it may have been because you had enough information and there was enough on the test for which you were able to glean information so that you could do that. You, I think you get the gist of providential. But lastly, as I mentioned before, miracles are a special act of God that, in, that interrupts the normal course of events. So let's talk about miracles. And miracles stem from divine power. Miracles, if you look in the Bible... And if there's a miracle that happens today, it's immediate. The results of it are lasting. And they point to the glory of God. And I'll give you a perfect example of a miracle. Is when the soul of a person is saved. That's right. Salvation is a miracle. 
because God's message is involved in it, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There, God does heal physically as well. But again, those miracles are immediate, lasting, and they point to the glory of God. A miracle, therefore, is a very specific kind of unusual event that would not apply to sporting events. It would not apply to televangelists or even the, even the landing of planes that are in stress. Rather, a miracle provides a definitive divine fingerprint most often used to confirm God's message. Biblical miracles generally occurred during the time surrounding, say, like Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, and even the apostles in the New Testament. And that is the times that God was providing new revelation at that time, confirming his authentic message. As the Apostle John tells us in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he said this, Now Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And by these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Therefore, as we conclude, miracles are not for show or for entertainment. They are relatively rare, and biblically speaking, their primary purpose is to confirm God's message. So why do we not see miracles regularly occur today? Well, you know, people, skeptics will ask that question. Well, if God did miracles in, in ancient time, why don't we see them today? Well, if miracles were a regular occurrence, on, or we were seeing miracles on a regular basis, they wouldn't be miracles by their definition, would they? Again, a miracle is a special act of God that interrupts the normal course of events. God would be interrupting the, uh, the course of events all the time. But if you're a believer, aren't you glad that he interrupted the course of your events and put you on his straight path? Miracles are a specific type of unusual event. They stem from divine power. They are immediate. They are lasting. And they point people to God. The primary purpose is to provide a divine fingerprint confirming God's message. You've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, please email us at roblundberg315 at gmail.com or you can go to my website at roblundberg.org and hit the contact link and send your question there. If you would like to know what our resources are, you would be more than wel we would welcome you to go to our website and check those out. You can go to the website, click on the resources link, 
If you would like to help us, there's a link on there to uh, uh, guide you and how you can donate to help us do better podcasts and also get better equipment so that we can have a, uh, a more uh, smoother job uh, with regards to bringing you this content. So until next week, as you go out, you know, our, our world is getting crazy. And I would ask your prayers because uh, in the contracting world, the contracting world is unstable. And if there's no contractor to pick up a group of people or pick up the supervisors, of which I am one, I will be speaking to you unless there's an intervention for another contract. I will be speaking to you next week from uh, the perspective of looking for full-time employment. So be in prayer for that as we go forward in this week. I'm not worried. I have a peace that passes all understanding, which is rather uh, unique. We have dealt with uh, the five, first five points of points four and five today since they dealt with miracles. Again, since God exists, miracles are possible. Number four and number five, miracles can be used to confirm a message from God. I figured I would just deal with those two points because they fall right into it. Next week, we're going to talk about the authenticity of the New Testament and the fact of its being historically reliable. We may deal with that for with a couple weeks. I don't know. We'll see how all that comes in. So as you go out this week and you engage if your state or your country or your city has lifted the COVID ban, be careful. Make sure you carry a mask with you just in case somebody you talk to is having a respiratory issue. You don't want to catch what they get. But be careful as you go out and also as you go as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, go out and give them heaven. And we will be back with you next week. Lord bless.